Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash CNN for a $1 per month trial. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the CNN political briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Thursday, June 16th. The January 6th committee held its third hearing today, and it was a dramatic tale of how an unfailingly loyal vice president was under pressure by President Trump to buck the rule of law and how Mike Pence chose our democracy instead of his boss. Today, the January 6th committee, in its third in this series of public hearings, chose to focus in on the Trump-Pence relationship and on the pressure campaign that President Trump and those around him were applying to the vice president to try and do something totally unconstitutional, totally in violation of the law, as even some Trump advisors acknowledged was the case, in order to prevent the Electoral College votes from being properly counted and certified as required by the Constitution. Here's committee chairman Benny Thompson kicking things off. Donald Trump wanted Mike Pence to do something no other vice president has ever done. Mike Pence said no. He resisted the pressure. He knew it was illegal. He knew it was wrong. We are fortunate for Mr. Pence's courage on January 6th. Our democracy came dangerously close to catastrophe. Despite all the legal guidance that was coming out of the vice president's operation towards the president's team, that what was being asked of Mike Pence simply was not within the realm of possibility because it wasn't within the lines of the law, that did not hold sway with Donald Trump, clearly. He still, just until the hours before the vice president was to preside over this congressional session, was still pressuring Pence to disobey the law and obey his order and desire to not certify the election. And Trump was using largely this conspiracy theory created by conservative attorney John Eastman, somebody who pleaded the fifth a hundred times in his testimony before the January 6th committee. And in fact, we also learned today that Eastman asked Rudy Giuliani to include his name on a list of potential pardons that Donald Trump may issue after the insurrection on the 6th had occurred. We also got a dramatic telling of a scene inside the Oval Office on the morning of January 6th when Mike Pence, for the last time, was explaining to Donald Trump he was not allowed to do what the president was asking him to do and that he was going to fulfill his constitutional duty. Well, as Ivanka Trump described it, she never heard her father talk to the vice president in this kind of tone. He was described as calling Pence a wimp on the phone, using the derogatory P word in going after his vice president on the phone, expressing how displeased he was that Pence would not violate the law and refuse to certify the election. For Pence's part, he relied on the legal guidance from his White House counsel, Greg Jacob, as well as that of conservative judge Michael Ludig, who was once a shortlister to be a Supreme Court nominee when President George W. Bush was in office. These are conservative legal thinkers, and they were supplying Vice President Pence with the legal justification as to why he had to move forward 
fulfilling his constitutional duty and could not agree to what the president and Eastman were asking him to do. Here's Greg Jacob, chief counsel for Vice President Pence. But the vice president's first instinct when he heard this theory was that there was no way that our framers would ever have put one person, particularly not a person who had a direct interest in the outcome because they were on the ticket for the election, in a role to have decisive uh, impact on the outcome of the election. And our review of text, history, um, and frankly just common sense all confirmed the vice president's first instinct on that point. A key term of Jacob's agreement to testify before the committee was that he would not discuss any direct conversations between Trump and Pence. Mark Short did that, though, in his deposition. Was it your impression that the vice president had directly conveyed his position on these issues to the president, not just to the world through a dear colleague letter, but directly to President Trump? Many times. And had been consistent in conveying his position to the president? Very consistent. Obviously. If you at all paid attention in the Trump presidency, Mike Pence was about as loyal a vice president as any president has ever had. But the stakes got too high because our very democracy was at stake here. And Mike Pence was not willing to cross that line. And not only that, he wasn't willing to cross that line despite the clear and present danger to his own personal well-being and that of his family up on Capitol Hill on the 6th. And Mark Short, his chief of staff, he saw what was building in advance of the Stop the Steal rally and advance of the insurrection. And he was very worried about what the very public Trump-Pence split would mean. So worried, he went to the Secret Service. Concern was for the vice president's security. And so I wanted to make sure the head of the vice president's Secret Service was aware that, um, that likely, as these disagreements became more public, that the president would um, lash out in some way. We learned today that at one point, as Pence was being evacuated to a secure location inside the Capitol complex, he and his entourage came within 40 feet of the rioters. And Greg Jacob described being able to hear the din of the rioters as they were being moved by Secret Service to a secure location. And this is all in the minutes after Donald Trump was pouring gasoline on the fire, tweeting about his disappointment in Mike Pence, and clearly his supporters who were invading the Capitol were listening. Mike Pence has betrayed this president, and he has betrayed the people of the United States, and we will never, ever forget! As for the legal justification that Pence was using to defy the president's wishes, well, that was after very detailed and deep study that Greg Jacob, his attorney, was doing with the likes of Michael Ludig and others. Jacob described their efforts going deep into history to try and ascertain what the framers of the Constitution intended and what they did not intend. And then we went to history. We examined every single electoral vote count that had happened in Congress since the beginning of the country. No vice president in 230 years of history had ever claimed to have that kind of authority, hadn't claimed authority to reject electoral votes, had not claimed authority to return electoral votes back to the states. When testing this theory with John Eastman, the 
conservative sort of conspiracy theorist here in this scheme, Greg Jacob asked him, if this theory was so legally sound, why wouldn't Al Gore have used it in 2000? The other key point, and this matches some previous hearings of what the committee's trying to do here, which is to set the stage that Donald Trump knew what he was doing was wrong, knew he was asking Pence to do something that was not constitutional, knew he was continuing to sell a lie about election fraud that didn't exist. This continues to be a theme. And in fact, Greg Jacob, describing his conversations with Eastman as he was doing his due diligence and sounding out the president's sort of outside legal advisor on this, said that they together had come to the agreement that the Supreme Court would eventually kick this legal theory out. Probably they would lose at the high court nine to nothing. And one of the most astonishing revelations is that even after the insurrection occurred, the Capitol was attacked. There was blood on Capitol Hill inside the Citadel of Democracy. Even after all of that, after Mike Pence, in the wee hours of the morning of the 7th, made sure to reconvene and finish his constitutional duty of counting and announcing the electoral vote totals, certifying the presidential election, Eastman apparently went back to Pence's team and said, okay, so now that you have gone through these motions, can the vice president now try and test this and send this contest back to the states and reject these electors. We also heard this pretty prophetic piece of testimony in a videotaped deposition. One of the members of Trump's White House counsel's office, Attorney Hirschman, said that he was pushing back against Eastman before the January 6th riot occurred. And he had a pretty clear picture in his mind of the kind of fire Trump and Eastman were playing with here. I said, are you out of your effing mind? That was pretty blunt. I said, you're completely crazy. I said, you're going to turn around and tell 78 plus million people in this country that your theory is this is how you're going to invalidate their votes because you think the election was stolen. And I said, they're not going to tolerate that. I said, you're going to cause riots in the streets. And he said, words to the effect of there's been violence in the history of our country, Eric, to protect the democracy or protect the republic. It was today's hearing that may have sort of the longest shelf life, because if we end up in a Republican presidential nomination contest where both Donald Trump and Mike Pence are candidates running against each other to be the Republican presidential nominee in 2024, much of what got aired today publicly in this hearing will no doubt infect that presidential race in a significant way. So these words that we heard from Pence World today, no doubt will live on in American politics. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And please take a moment and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you tomorrow.